News of the Things We Do podcast, a podcast about film life, television culture, mental health, and all of that fun, jazzy stuff. Today, I've got my special guest all the way in Brisbane, my special friend, Hallie. Hello. 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 How are you? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm pretty good. Thank you. Can I just say... From listening, I spent a like solid week listening to your music, Aww. like not just a day, like a solid week. <laughs> that is like, yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. So Thank good. You. And I think it's it's interesting because I get a lot of vibe of, you know, like when you listen to music and you sort of just, everyone focuses more on the beat and the rhythm and everything. Mm -hmm. I think what I really focus on your songs particularly is like the, the songs and the lyrics, oh, like sick. everything about the lyrics. Yeah. Um, because it does feel like very genuine on someone who like has this inner turmoil of how they fit in mm. and then sort of like ticking, ticking boxes. Cause I get, I get a sense there, like, especially, um, you know, particularly some of the songs that particularly about love are very much like, how do I fit this category? How do I, you know, and then there's also like a, a bit of hatred towards oh, yeah. situations. <laughs> yeah, completely. You get all the spectrum of emotions with it. But I'm really cool. That's really cool that the um the lyrics stand out to you because that's probably like where I started my writing, like just with like lyric writing and I love it. That's the thing I hear first in music. So that's really cool. Yeah, I think it, it particularly strikes out with um Babysitter, which, mm. you know, like I know I know was the one sort of really that skyrocketed you mm. um for um foremost and forefront. But it was kind of like particularly for that song. Because I, I had no idea what that song was about going in. So my initial <laughs> oh, no. my initial reaction was <laughs> curiosity and 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 bewilderment. And then just slowly like I did some background research um on it. And it's just yeah, it's a very interesting because I've been in relationships like that mm. where I've had to baby someone yep. or like you know totally clearly look after them yeah and it's shit it sucks it sucks so much <laughs> I, and it's crazy to me the amount of people after i released that song that like related to it or like felt like they finally had a way to describe what that is like yeah it's just the shittest like no like having to baby a grown person no it's just not the vibe ever it's <laughs> it's kind of like also because you know now that i'm 30 and in a healthy relationship, which is, dear God, it does happen. Oh, amazing. I know. I, I don't know what happened. Um, pure luck. Uh, but one of those things that I always think about is like my young self and particularly like, you know, being that trial and error where you do date people who are absolute shitheads and, you know, and you sort of write, because I tended to write a lot of like stories based on my exes. Yeah. So I would, I would normally like scribble notes on how to turn them into evil characters. Oh my God. I was, I was the worst because, <laughs> you know, like my childhood was just trying to write a story about everyone that I thought was just not a nice person. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th I still do that now. Like it's, it's kind of amazing because it, it doesn't really stop and I, I often say this to people because like, you know, we reflect everything and sort of especially as artists into creative things mm -hmm. as as trauma. And, you know, like there is a distinct like thing of how do you how do we express that self? Because, mm. um, you know, it, it must have been like that when you were a young, um, a young human to be like singer songwriter. Like, where did this journey start for you? Like, how old were you like when you were like, this is how I'm going to process, I guess, emotions? Yeah, well. I, my first memory of writing a song was when I was seven and I, I, I had a big, big crush on this guy named Jacob. 
Yeah, it was massive. It controlled my whole life in grade two. Oh. And I <laughs> I wrote a song, like, I just was like, I, d- I don't know, like, really why I wrote, like, lyrics. I think I was just, like, obviously listened to music and I had this realization that I could write lyrics and it doesn't have to be, like, a story or a poem. Mm. I don't know. And then I just wrote this song called, and it was titled, I Love You So Much. And I, like, still have the sheet of paper somewhere where I wrote it down on, but it's, like, I want to, like, run in the clouds with you. I don't know. It was just super cheesy. But I think that's when I realized that I could get out what I'm feeling, and especially if I felt out of control in a situation, Mm. like, that's the place where I could have control and, like, reflect on my emotions. And I don't think I – I don't know. Ever since that moment, I kind of used that medium to – release that feeling yeah it's like basically journaling but like also in a way that made me feel more excited and I don't know I feel like just music in general makes me feel and being able to sing it because I always loved singing just felt so much more connected spiritually to myself and yeah it was just a really good medium for me and like I've basically done it my whole life kind of thing yeah that's that's nuts like I mean did you ever sort of see it as something you would ever do as a career like and you were like oh people want to hear my emotions and thoughts yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) I took it out to my parents I would have I for sure would have and I was like guys look at this really cool thing I just made it's super cool (laughs) and then I would um just sing it for them I was also like growing up my my family were all quite creative and like like musicians as well on my dad's side um, and a bit on my mum's. And so, like, I don't know, every year we'd have Christmas plays and, like, we'd have full-on, like, sing-dance musical numbers and we'd all have a go at writing it and everything. So, like, performing was very normal for me. So I think I always thought I would perform. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, like, yeah. it's kind of one of those things that I think, especially, you know, with growing up, especially in mass media, mm-hmm. like, conglomerate that we are now, do you remember when you first uploaded your first ever song? Was it independently and you just went upload to YouTube oh. or was it kind of like, did you do a formal? No, I did the whole YouTube thing for a bit and I I think when I was like 13, maybe, mm. um, I released a song called Come and Go onto YouTube. Wow. Yeah. And just me playing it, you know, with my guitar. Yeah. But... That that was my first release, I guess, now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Is that still up on YouTube? I think so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. It's under my full name, but only the people that deep dive will get to... <laughs> Get, find out what my full name is and find it. Yeah, that, that's a secret you will take to your grave. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, like, isn't isn't YouTube like, especially like, since it became into popularity, the the place where your past goes to die? Like, there's some horrifying ones of me when I was 18 <laughs> that I'm like, no one should ever see. Totally. Um, I I think the one the you know the thing that I love is the is the fact that you had no shame about like going into it. What you know. And like not, you know, not second guessing yourself. Is that being like, has that changed though over time? Are you kind of like a bit more self-conscious about like some of the songs that you write or are you kind of like still very much in that vein of, I want people to hear them all? Um, I do definitely have a level of self-confidence and self-assurance that I know that I, like, I, I feel confident in myself and my abilities, but like obviously yeah Mm. like there's always especially when it 
became a business and it became monetized. And, you know, like coming out of high school, I feel like it was really easy to be the best or like be like very part of the scene. And then suddenly there's a million people doing what you do. And like, I think it's hard not to compare and to remember that you're like an individual and special in your own way. And I feel like I lost myself a bit like through just before COVID kind of, I was like, what am I doing? And what even is my music anymore? I didn't really feel like writing much because I like didn't feel as passionate because it just felt like it, you know, I had to prove something or write for someone else. Um, Mm. But I got back, I got back this year. I think a bit, but that's, those insecurities will always be there. I feel like, but it's just like the way I manage them and the, the self-talk. Yeah. The conversations I have with myself. Are you a talk out loud kind of person? (laughs) Sometimes for sure. Yeah, actually I am. I really am. (laughs) No, I'm just realizing that I'll talk to myself in the mirror when I feel, when I feel down and I'm trying to give myself a pep talk. I love that. Yeah, I'm the same. I, I am. I used to do that all the time. I used to like as a young kid entertain myself by talking to myself and that was kind of like how I dealt with a lot of like, you know, childhood angst and everything. Yeah. It does help. Yeah. And you're just like, it's kind of a reminder for me that it's like, I don't know, like everyone's here, mm. but it, really it's just you. Yeah. And you you can just be like friends with yourself or give yourself support. Like I think it's cool. Yeah. And it, and it goes back to that sort of like where we're constantly churning and, and stuff because, you know, obviously, you know, monetization and, you know, like, you know, like gain is important to, you know, keep living and keep running. But at the same time, we do everything for the love of, you know, passion and art and what we want to tell. Yeah. And it's reminding ourselves that to be grounded, especially in, I guess, the social media bubble as well, because, mm-hmm. you know, the the one the one thing I notice, uh, you know, especially is the comparison, you know, like, I think I think particularly like you know when you start ideas or you start anything and you go oh well someone else has already done it so why should I do it like yeah. someone else is clearly doing it but it is goes back to that individualism of like what makes my opinion so special and my like thought process so special yeah I think I think like do you find that you you take periodic breaks from social media to kind of like step away and not let yourself kind of go into this like big social media bubble i don't (laughs) or i never have yet yeah maybe it'd be good for me but i also just haven't found a time where i don't need social media for my business like i haven't had a proper stint or time off where i can allow myself to do that almost Mm. um and it's definitely something i want to do um soon because i'm starting to feel the burnout and i feel like it would be really nice but i also I don't know. I feel like there's when I'm on social media, I'm trying more so to just be like frame it as a business thing Mm. now. And that's kind of how I help myself not to compare too much, I guess. Mm. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Do you do you take the times off social media? I I try to not not as well. Yeah. Not as well as I should. It's it's I'm in the same boat where I like you to constantly have to promote like the podcast or you know like little bits and bobs so it's like my brain goes into as long as i'm doing something to 
brand, mm-hmm. um, then that's my excuse. But I, I do think it comes down to that, like, it is good to sort of have that switch off period. And it's why I, like, I embrace, you know, it's it's the difference as well between, like, working holidays and holidays. Totally. Like, the excitement of, of a... There's only a little bit of excitement of a working holiday because the moment you actually get home, you're more exhausted than when you left. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> like, I imagine you, because you just got off tour. Yeah. Like, how was your fatigue, like, when you got home? I'm still exhausted. Mm. <laughs> I am. I also, um, and I think it's a thing lots of musicians talk about, but I feel the post-tour blues. Yeah. Um. And just, like, it's so weird when you, like, plan for something for so long and there's so, so much, like, chaos. Mm. And then you just come home and it's, like, stopped. And it's, like, the air's still and you're, like, this is weird. So I'm definitely going through that as we speak. Um, But, um, yeah, I don't know. The fatigue's a a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, like, hits me like a brick. Um, but you know, then I th- I think now that's Christmas time. I'm looking forward to just like that Christmas period break, mm. or I cannot think about. It. Have you got like time off around? Do you always make sure you have time off around certain parts of the year? Um, yeah, I definitely around Christmas I will have time off, but I'm also releasing an EP early next year, so I'm like, you know, still on, still got to work really hard until then. Is that basically? Still in recording phase or is it sort of in mixing phase at the moment for you? Oh, it's all done. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've just, I've been listening to it for ages. (laughs) I'm really excited to release it. Yeah. But like, it's more so, you know, all the prep around a release as big as a body of work, you know? Mm. And because everyone goes away for Christmas, everyone has their break. You got to kind of be prepared for that, Mm. you know, like to do it before that, I guess. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, does this sort of EP, or like, especially for you, encapsulate a moment for you? You know, because I know, I know it's about love, but, you know, mm. what's, what's the biggest thing do you think this slice of life is going to feel for you, maybe even in, like, five or ten years? Yeah, I feel like it's such a timestamp of, like, a year of my life probably ending, like, yeah, beginning of this year, like, like... I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of my whole journey with kind of, I don't know, like coming out of like a really serious relationship that I, where I was really in love and then like heartbreak and finding myself again and, um, exploring my queerness again. So it's like, it's just such a little like pocket of my life where I like feel like I'll look back on in five or 10 years and be like, oh, that was such a pivot point for me. Mm. Um, yeah. So I, it's really special that I get to put it out there. Like I, I'm so proud of it. I'm so excited. <laughs> I can't wait to hear it. I've got to like, um, like the pre-order on my Apple t- iTunes. So, you know, oh, I know sick. it's in there. Um, <laughs> Thank you. It's okay, but I mean, like one of the, one of the things as well, you you know, because I know how much you heavily talk about queerness as well, and you know, like when did you find out in yourself that you identified as queer? Like, how old were you when you kind of went, "This is who I am"? Yeah, well, I didn't clock it, and like when I say I didn't clock it, because I'm so I'm pansexual, mm. so um, I dated a lot of like men experienced a lot of heteronormative relationships and still really enjoyed them. Mm. So I feel like I didn't really have the the realization until I met a woman that I liked. And then I was like, oh my God, 
no way. And then um, I met her um, first year uni. Mm. And then I was like, oh, true. Like, I think I I might be queer. Um, and yeah. And then I like had that relationship. And I think from then on, like, I kind of realized, realized that that was kind of so 18. And I, I kissed her on my 18th birthday. It was super dramatic. Oh, <laughs> it was cute. That's really cute. So you, you two date. <laughs> dated for a while or yeah we did we did um typical kind of lesbian intense <laughs> couple of months and then it ends um <laughs> but it was it had to happen and it was great yeah and i'm still i'm still friends with her like it's all it's all g but oh that's um, great yeah yeah i love that you just say it's lesbian intense you know because that is that is clearly like um one of, one of my really good friends had a similar situation where she discovered her queerness and dated a girl and they're still together. Oh, lovely. But it was like, yeah, I remember you didn't see them for like three months. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like MIA. Especially when you first realize mm. that it's like the feeling is like, no way. And you're like so into it and you don't want to think about anything else because you're like, this is so cool. What the hell? Yeah. Um, Especially being that young, you know, mm. like. Especially with like you know people coming out now, and you know because I didn't I didn't realize my own sexuality until I was about twenty six. Oh wow! I know it was a long process, I, and it wasn't for the fact it was just because I was so I worked in a lot of heteronormative, like you know departments and and places, mm. so it was very standardized mm-hmm. to be like, you know this is what you are. Yeah, and and liking men is is weird. Totally, <laughs> like, that was that was the norm. Um, so I think, you know, it's funny now being on the other, the, the other foot and just being like, oh yeah, whatever. But yeah, until I was 26, it was kind of just like, I, I knew guys and I had, um, gay guys and stuff. And they'd always been like, no, you clearly like men. <laughs> same with all my best friends, <laughs> same with everyone. They were just like, you, there's something like, why aren't you clocking this? We've all clocked it. Um, <laughs> So I think I think it's one of those things that I, I'm glad you discovered in, in, at 18 because my cousin's um, kid, yeah. who goes by they them, have also discovered their queerness and they're 12. Oh, I'm like, I wish I had that. That is amazing, and it's it, like honestly, times are changing because I hear more and more stories of that from like my friends' younger siblings being like, "Yeah, I think I'm bisexual," and it's just super casual. Yeah, it's so exciting to see because even like I don't know, I was in high school like six years ago, maybe so, I don't know, <laughs> um, and like that was not something like there were a couple of queer people at my school, and that was crazy. Like, yeah, and. It's so cool to see that it's so normalized now. I I think it also, for me in particular, like it, it was kind of like a huge stress off my mental health. Mm. And, you know, like, and, and pretending I wasn't somebody else. Because I find, like, it's the great thing when you sort of hear, um, you know, people. Because it, it's funny as well. Because I think, particularly Sydney. <laughs> I, I I think there's pockets of Sydney, which, you know, I love Sydney, but it has pockets where there's just a lot of weird heteronormative yeah. people. And I'm like, what is it about, especially Australia, like, what is it about Australian people oh, yeah. who think that is normal? I know. To be like, and, and like, we, my partner is amazing. And, um, like, we chat about it on a regular basis about, you know, like things that, you know, we want to tell our parents and then things that we don't. But obviously, like, yeah, it's, it's funny because mm. I know, I know some family members who will just refuse, like, even if, if, um, you know, like people want to change their names or anything like that, they're like, nah, 
you know, it doesn't matter what they want. It's not what's proper. Mm. And I'm like, that's so bizarre that I think in this modern, like, 2022 society that we still think that rigid regimented lifestyle is normal and especially what queer actually means i know it's so interesting that people think that because you're queer you have to wear colors totally i remember the first time i i dyed my hair everyone was like you're gay and I'm like why why do i just have to be gay right totally totally yeah that's so interesting my brother's straight and whenever he dyes his hair, everyone's like, oh, you're gay? <laughs> and he's like, well, I mean, it doesn't matter, but like, yeah, no. Like, it's that's such a good point. Because it, is it just the two of you? Are yeah. You, yeah. So you, uh, who's the oldest? Me. <laughs> so you've got all the creme of the creme. You, you can kind of tease him. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll be. I love that. Yeah. But no, it's it's. <laughs> It's interesting because my, my my older brother is very straight. I think I've always been the one who I was like, I always knew. And I think I remember being about like six six or seven being like, what if I liked this? Mm-hmm. And what if I did this? And I think it was like, you know, my mother's amazing now. But I think back then when it was like, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. And she was like, but I know you like girls. Yeah, totally. Did you Did you ever like... What because your family was so creative, did you sort of like how did you discover yourself? Was it a very easy process? Were your family always very supportive? Yes. So back on my brother, um, <laughs> he's the best. Um, but my parents always would like sit us down and have these chats growing up when we were in like late primary into high school and be like, um, just so you know, guys, like if you're ever gay, that's okay. You can tell us. And I was always there like, I'm so into men, like what, whatever. <laughs> but they used to say it because they thought my brother was gay. Oh. And then I, yeah, then I was shocked them all. And then I just said, oh, I'm dating a girl now. And then just kind of explained that I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's just both. And they were like, and then... My brother was like to my dad, oh, you owe me five bucks. And they already <laughs> placed bets on it. So I think they had a feeling that this friend that I was bringing over wasn't a friend. Oh. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, I was quite lucky. Um, only with my grandma did I have some issues there. Like she wouldn't vote for gay marriage, things mm. like that. But I also feel like that generation, like yeah. those expectations are just unrealistic, I think. I think it, you know, it comes out of like religious status or, you know. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's. I think, I think it's like, I, I also just felt it was very ridiculous that, you know, the government didn't just go straight to the board. We're just going to legalize this. It has to be a votal system, which, you know, even then divided the country a fair fair little while i know and it's so weird it's it's so weird and i think it's also like you know people like us you know who talk so openly about about stuff like this it like what the plebiscite was only like six years ago or something like that it wasn't that long yeah um and now we're just all kind of like living this you know still kind of dream but there's still a lot of like Mm -hmm. you know i guess critiques and and decisions about how people live like have you have you managed to avoid the haters of of like your identity throughout your life I think initially when I first yeah came out as I wouldn't say come out but when I first realized I was queer Mm. um I was really naive to it and I thought everything was just like 
really fine <laughs> and like like I was like yeah this is so cool like or whatever and then yeah as I've gotten older I've definitely noticed more so the microaggressions mm. um within just having more of a platform um and I don't know just the way people treat you I, I I don't know yeah I've definitely experienced like I wouldn't say I've had I have had hate on things like my body hair and stuff on TikTok what yeah which is always so just bizarre because I'm like I, I just forget I sometimes I'm like I must be living in a bubble because who cares about armpit hair like it's so weird yeah um but that's like the kind of hate I've received and not so much for being you know, when, for when my music videos have, like, a woman or an AFAB in them, that I don't experience it so directly like that. But I f- also feel like that's the way, I don't know, homophobic people work in Australia. I feel like it is microaggressions. Mm. Sorry, I'm going on a tangent No, I love it. Now. I love it. Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also think because I am, a lot of the time, femme appearing, like people treat me differently because they think I am straight. Yeah. So I feel like in a way it feels really invalidating, but it also is lucky because I haven't experienced as much of that hatred directly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, oh my God, no, I did experience, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I had an article written about me recently that was saying that my, my, I played big sound. Oh yeah. Um, in September and that my, my presentation was this weird fake queer i was trying to be queer or something um but i it didn't hit the mark and it was like this straight cis man writing about it and i was like yeah that i did i have experienced it quite recently oh my god yeah but yeah that's like that's kind of my journey with it wow what the fuck <laughs> Why does it only come from cis white men? Why is it only? I know. Um, it's like I think I think also between you know like particularly me, it's very often like a lot of the times I'll sign off emails with my pronouns and everything and like you know but I I'm like you most of the time I just present very like heteronormative because it's like day to day life. Yeah. Um. I th- and then like. Um, you know, when I paint my fingernails and stuff, uh, I kind of like, I remember there was a bit of time where I was like, oh no, I, oh, my friend did that. Like, you know, it wasn't, wasn't me. It wasn't like, it couldn't have been me. <laughs> um, and it was all like, sort of like trying to usher away kind of like that, that weird hatred. But, um, you know, like the conversations I think also that I have a, on a regular basis, like at the, at the moment, um, where like my partner and I, we're deciding on engagement rings because, we're getting engaged and it's very <gasps> exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, That's cool. <laughs> so cool. But I mean, like we're, we're looking on Etsy and then like looking at like rings and a lot of them are just, you know, like if you get a masculine ring and I'm doing this in very big quotation marks, mm-hmm. um, they're like very thick rings. And if you get feminine rings, they're like dainty and pretty. Uh-huh. And I'm like, we both just want like pretty and simple yeah and we're like yeah. it doesn't matter and it's so interesting that even like rings like uh, are such a yeah. go to a jeweler's and they're like oh you want a man's ring so therefore here's the man selection totally and this is what i mean about the micro things like they're the most detrimental things because people 
don't notice them as much. No. Wow. I mean, like, you know, particularly because your your music videos, especially, like, your your outfits, which I love. Thank you. <laughs> Who decide? Do you decide on your own outfits when you do a music video? Yeah. I've been more passionate about it lately, so... I've been styling myself. It's been fun. I love it. I, I especially love, um, you know, the the recent, you know, uh, love music video, which was oh yeah. I I had a good little watch of that, and that was quite fun. Oh, thank you. <laughs> How long does it take to film one of those? Oh my god, <laughs> this one, it takes a while. Like, mm. so. <laughs> this one all the footage got lost after the first day of shooting oh. yeah it was devastating I it, it took like it was like a full full day like a like a 12 hour day mm. um to shoot it and like the pre-planning is hectic you know you got to make sure you have every light right organized every person has all their prop like you know you know how it be yeah just lots of stuff and I was very in charge of that process because I wrote it all and Mm. um so it was it was stressful and then all the footage got lost anyway so this one took a little bit longer to shoot um like two full days um it yeah it's just such a process to get every angle and like but I love it yeah I love shooting music videos because I've I've watched I, I I think like each one has a very distinct vibe and mm. um and kind of like I I love the ones probably you know like do it is also a great great one mm-hmm. even though like there's a lot of string involved in that one there's a lot do you, do you like symbolism is that a thing that you drive for in in your music videos oh for sure yeah um well I feel like for do it that felt appropriate yeah um like for symbolism kind of but like the string was like meant to be kind of like a maze slash laser beam kind of thing if you can imagine like that I had to get through to get to the other side Ah. yeah so it's like a simple I guess of my imposter syndrome in my queerness kind of um and orange is like got its own like representation there because it was orange string anyway you know how that all goes but yeah I loved that um because I, I I think that one of the things that I always vibe about your music videos as well is it's sort of like it hits me with a nostalgia mm-hmm. for like cool. early 2000s Yay. Um, music videos. And it's so much, it's very, I want to say lovely and simple. There's a, there's a distinct simpleness about them as well. Because there's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, a lot of the time they're sort of like pretty self-contained storylines. Um, mm. and I think that's what makes them quite interesting because when you have a lot of like, um, going on, yeah, you really kind of like, uh, you know, you're tuning into the performance of the artist more than I guess all these like side characters. Cause, um, my partner's a massive fan of Taylor Swift. So we watch a lot of <laughs> her music videos and Me they're like, too. completely like, it, she's great. I love Taylor, but it's like, you know, like this insane elaborate um, music videos and I think you know what it, what drives me about like particularly yours is it feels like early 2000s where you know um, your budget's kind of like you know a, a bit in between and everything is like okay well what can we do with like a room or what can we do with mm-hmm. a couple of rooms like you, you know let's make something totally and I, and I love that sort of ground feel up of you know um, you know, just everyone sort of feeling like this vibe and it's, and it's very kind of like, yeah, listening to your music just like throws me back to when I was like 10 or 12. Oh, cool. Yeah. Is it, Honestly love that. Like, do, do you, are you a big fan of like, particularly like any sort of era of music? I mean, 
isn't it obvious? <laughs> the 2000s. Um, yeah. And I just love all the aesthetic of that era. Like, you know, just Avril and Britney. I don't know. There was just so much good stuff happening then. I'm like, I want to bring it back. And also all the movies from that era, mm. you know, lots of them are problematic, but we, <laughs> we skim past that. And, and like... It's just, it evokes such a happiness and a nostalgia for me when I watch them and it's such a comfort zone and I feel like I I just love it. So I definitely, that's why it's very present in my, in my stuff. Also, the feeling of nostalgia is just like one of my favorite feelings. So I just wanted to evoke that for people, I think. Yeah, I love it. I think it's like, what I love is the Avril Lavigne kind of angle <laughs> because all I think is, um, you know... Um, girlfriend the song girlfriend and stuff like that where it's just you know oh yeah years years of being a kid listening to that on repeat uh-huh. um and you know and britney spears and everything and i just think that i kind of miss that era yeah of like music where everyone's kind of just doing this weird vibe but it's also like sparkly outfits or kind of insane flared pants yeah can i also say though that the sparkly flared pants look Great on you. That is that is a look. <laughs> Thank do you. Do you do you often go to Vinny's and try on most of their outfits? Um, I love Vinny's. Um, but this one was already in my cupboard, this fit. Really? Oh yeah. I had it from like a couple of years ago for some like shoot I don't even know, like uni shoot thing I did for a friend and then I was like, Oh my god, it's the perfect outfit. But yeah, I love Vinny's. Love Vinny's. Do you like have you got a massive closet at home where you just like have heaps of clothes these days? Um my closet I wouldn't call it small. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I think Yeah. It look I've got a lot of costume stuff in there. You just never know. Yeah. You just don't. When did you you know how like you know, people probably say you have a vibe, especially with like, you know, your colored hair and everything sort of changing, like particularly all the time um, in press release photos or publicity photos. Do you do you feel like there's an advantage of people not always, you know, recognizing you when you walk on the street? Do you feel like people won't always recognize you? <laughs> I feel like my hair colored doesn't change that much. <laughs> Like the orange is the new vibe. And then before that, it was like this weird ombre for like two years. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, you're right. I had the pink stage. Yeah. But that was that was specifically for Lava Girl Halloween costume. Oh. So I forgot about that. Yeah, you're right. Um, But I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm done at the stage of being recognized on the street all the time. But I feel like surely it wouldn't change my look that much. No. Look, honestly, I'll get back to you in a couple of years when that's an issue. Yeah. like (laughs) Please keep me updated because I'm genuinely intrigued. I will. (laughs) I want to move us on to mental health as well. Because, you know, I know you're a big talker about mental health. Like, how do you deal with, I guess, like, with the touring and with the, you know, like, emotional keeping yourself together all the time, you know, because it, it, there must be an emotional overload. Are you one person who decompresses by yourself or how do you sort of, like, choose to decompress? Like, to be honest, I'm still working this all out. Um, I don't have answers yet fully. I don't, like, do people find answers eventually like fully I don't know but I um I yeah like I think 
you know, just getting back into touring as well after having a couple of years off because of obviously COVID. Mm. It's just kind of working out those routines again or like what is good for me and stuff. I, I definitely, I'm an extrovert, but I need, I've realized as of recent, I need my time alone to reflect mm. um, and connect with myself as I, I feel like everyone does. But yeah, I don't know, touring like definitely it takes it out of you and it's like hard when you're in so many different places to try and feel grounded, I guess, or like feel at home. And I, I think it's like trying to, I don't know. I feel like my main goal is to just try and connect with myself and trust myself as much as possible so that when I am touring, you know, I can find that comfort with me, but yeah, I'm still working it out. I think. I love that. I mean, it's, Look, I'll tell you, I'm 30 and I still haven't worked all, all the secrets. <laughs> I don't think anyone really does. I think it's like um, it's a constant journey to work out what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things that I, I feel like, you know, I sort of like diary to myself now. You know, I, I sort of realized, particularly with 2020, I sort of was went from an extroverted life to a very introverted life. And that caused me to kind of like really reflect a lot of my mental health and everything and, you know, mm-hmm. um, how how all my thoughts circulated. Yeah. And, you know, one of the one of the biggest challenges was, you know, living on my own, which, you know, for that for you know first two years of the pandemic. So I, I really learned how to deal with myself, especially in crisis mode, mm. um, how like my panic attacks and stuff like that would, you know, formulate um, because I didn't have that support network all the time yeah. so it, it you do kind of develop defense mechanisms and or um you know but are, are you like do you currently um are you back at home with your parents or are you kind of living out at home at the moment no I live um with housemates or like my best friends basically um basically all the ones that were in the love music video um I live with um yeah but I yeah, I don't know. Like living out of home is also like I've been out of home for two years now. I don't know why I still say it like that, but I, I yeah, it's just like I feel like it's really that step up of like I don't know. I'm 23, and I feel like it's the prime time people talk about where just like you're working out what is going on. Mm. Like I just feel like me and all my friends are just kind of like what like what is going on right now? <laughs> I don't know. Um, and still trying to find rhythms in our life that work for us. It's kind of like that exploration stage where you're like trialing all these different things that might work for you mm. to help you better yourself or to, to help, you know, as a tool that you can use. Um, but it's like kind of trialing them all. It's trial and error stage. I feel. Yeah. And then you, you find a couple and you keep them and then you, I don't know if that makes sense, but I feel like that's what right now feels like. Yeah. I love that. That, that I I think that makes sense. Good. Uh, good. I, I, I think it's also like, you know, particularly I like that sort of theory that you're, you know, throwing, you know, I, like things and tools that might not work for you, mm. but trailing them anyway, because I feel like the, the you know, problem especially because i i as much as i love working yeah i do get overwhelmed sometimes when like chaos happens you know and i thrive on chaos but i also get overwhelmed it's one of those two like double-edged swords situations i'm the same yeah 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 so it's like things could be going right one day and then suddenly 
things could still be going right this next day, but I might feel like they're all going wrong mm-hmm. and everything that I've approached is bad or terrible or, you know, like yep. the way my brain is operating in this system is just going, this is the worst thing since, you know, because it's not up to this weird perfection level mm-hmm. that I have in my head. Like, are you are you very much that, like, little voice in your head going, it's got to be here rather than just being sort of content sometimes with what it is? Totally. I mean, and it, you're right. Like, it depends on the day. Mm. Like, some days I'll wake up and I'll be like, oh, my God, this is, I'm killing it. Everything's great. Like, everything's fantastic. I couldn't want any more from this. Mm. And then I'll wake up the next day and be like, wow, like, I've really just dropped the ball. Like, nothing sounds good. Nothing feels good. Like, yeah. So I definitely, like, it's confusing that back and forth as well. Like, it feels like whiplash. Mm. Yeah. Like, I definitely get that and that perfectionism is so annoying, but it's so present. I feel like it's it's so... um that hard to know when the right time to let go is as well because especially in creative stuff you could just go forever yeah like there's not really an end point it's like knowing when to cut off and just stop and be like this is enough this is great Mm. is kind of hard sometimes yeah no it's a hundred percent it's hard and i think you know i i i think also particularly it's like some days (laughs) When I wake up and especially I just know that, you know, whether my mood and and I've had that thing where, you know, like you wake up and everyone thinks you're an awful person because you've had a bad day or you've, you're not in the mood. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. I think that's sort of like the challenge that I have with mental health because what I have is like uh, depression and uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which if most people don't know, it basically means that I get hyper-focused um, or I completely can emotionally lose interest in things. Right, um, okay. And it can it can fluctuate. Like little things can fluctuate and stuff, but it, it is very like, um, I think a lot of people who don't have it diagnosed or, you you know, haven't had treatment for it, you, you know, it can have more severe effects. Luckily, I was caught when I was five. But um, the depression like happened much later in life and I think was partially genetics and partly because of that so it was like um and you know trigger warning for anyone (laughs) who is listening Mm -hmm. it's gonna get really real but um yeah it was like a lot of my um you know teenage years and stuff were were dealing with like you know um you know suicidal thoughts and you know and depression Mm -hmm. and everything like that so I I feel that that always came out of perfectionism, right? Yeah, uh, you know, like that that sort of comparing yourself to your peers, and mm-hmm. you know, well, these, you know, because I think with ADHD, I didn't do as curriculally as well as other students because my strengths lied in more creative things. But because the way school was structured, it was academically based. You know, it was like mm-hmm. if you're going to do school, you do you want to become an academic or at least a you know a, a, an English major. Yeah. And I was like, no, I want to be in either an actor or a musician or a, or like a theater you know creator or like something like that. I wanted to be in some sort of capacity mm-hmm. to be a creator. Yeah. Like, did you find? with you know with yourself especially in your teenage years like when did you you realize did you have a divide as well with school and and the curriculum that's structured I don't know I I my high school was like I I actually performed quite well to be honest mm. I um I I didn't like school but I thought I had to do really well so I worked really hard <laughs> which is kind of just like like looking back I'm like like, for instance, to get into my uni course, it was an audition. 
but I still really thought I needed to work hard to prove something to someone. Yeah. And I feel like it's similar. It kind of shows that perfectionism vibe. Um, but I think, you know, because I didn't have ADHD or something, it was like I, I just put that in but then didn't really get to write or mm. be creative as much as I wanted. And although I, like, did music and drama – like it's still, I wasn't getting that fixed because you know it's still curriculum based. Mm. Um, I don't even really know where I was in high school. Like looking back, I'm just like, like it's such a bizarre period for me that I just feel like I kind of zoned out and did what I was told. And then like stepping out of high school, I'm like, oh, why did I do? Think I had to do that? Yeah, I don't know. Like I was almost like thought I had to be this really good girl. Like that was my experience with it anyway. Um. And not step on anyone's toes. Also because I was, I'm a massive people pleaser, or I was. Really? Yeah, fully. Um, yeah. So that was my high school experience, I think. I mean, do you, do you kind of look at, because uh, I'm really intrigued by this, but do you kind of look back at your younger self and sort of see the same person? Or do you see elements of that person now? I, I see, I think I see the same person Kind of, mm. it definitely actually elements, but I think I see that I was trying or that I was there, but like I was so uh, stuck in something like, like holding myself back kind of, it's like, I was like inside there and you, there were elements of me that were present, but like, you know, just high school's cruel too. So like, I feel like you can never fully flourish and be like your full self in that environment. Um, without like judgment and backlash. Um, so yeah, I do, I do see them. I think I see it more in my inner child, meaning more so when I was really young, yeah. I see Hallie that I kind of am now or like heading towards, I guess. Yeah. I, I love that. Mm. I think, um, did you get particularly bullied in high school as well? No. Um, I was bullied in primary school a bit, but like, okay. I went to an all-girls school mm. and people were just mean. And if you didn't fit in, you, you, like, I, <laughs> I don't know if I, like, I wasn't uncool and I'm only using these terms because that's just the high school terminology. Yeah. <laughs> you get it. Um, and I wasn't uncool, but I, I was like going to these parties, but I never fit in at them. So I was kind of left out in that realm. If that makes sense. Mm. Like I was Im invited and going, but like I never, I was always judged because there was something that was like a bit different. I don't know. It's, it was, it's weird. It's like a, things I still need to unpack because high school is just random. I, I, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but I remember like when everyone was organizing a house party and it was always a big mm. thing. Like everyone was like, go to this house. And I always just like, whenever I went to house parties, I thought that were the I don't know it was me, but I just felt they were the most boring thing ever. No, completely. I, I don't know. I didn't fit. I didn't fit being a teenager. I fit more being an adult than I ever did in my teenage years. Yeah. For some reason, I think puberty just did me a one-over. <laughs> <laughs> made me go, uh, fuck it. Um, you know, but, but I think being an adult, especially when you get rid of that curriculum of what's cool and, you know, who's, you know, who's hot and who's attractive and all that bullshit that, teenagers talk about yeah it's very easy to be like just in appreciate everyone for individuality um exactly yeah and and it's funny because I, i'm sure there's people out there who just go 
oh, Hallie's really cool and, you know, and the coolest person ever who have never met you, who have never, like, you know, and, and assume assume knowledge. Like, <laughs> this is the wonderful world of internet. But it's it's so surreal because I think, like, one friend in particular said to me, it's like, I've learned more about you through doing your podcast than, you know, ever actually asking because I don't feel like people actually ask us who we are as individuals. Like, they don't go... Well, who's the real you? Mm. Because you know, from a social media point of view, we we just want to obsess over uh, <laughs> over the over the person and the the idea of the person. Are you are, mm-hmm. do you like being quite transparent? Or you know, especially with your socials and what you appreciate? Definitely, I like. I want to be as honest and transparent as possible. The only issue is that, like, like sometimes you can just feel like you're putting it out there, mm. and then you you you're not getting any validation back or anything. So you're just kind of like, uh, like putting your heart on the line and then for what? Yeah. Like, but also then, and then I just, I, I do like to do it because I think it's important when I feel like I'm in the mental space or the position to do so, to open up dialogue in whatever way so that other people can feel like they can be open and, you know, it, I think it's just, it's just good. But, um, yeah, sometimes it feels a bit vulnerable, mm. I guess. Yeah, because I, I, you strike me as a person who wears their heart on their sleeve. Yeah, <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> I enjoy, I do enjoy being honest when I'm in the mood. Yes. Yeah. It, well, I, I mean, like, it, it dep- I always say it's the thing as well, which is I, I choose to be honest with, you know, like you choose to be honest with certain people and, you know, and mm-hmm. it's not, all, I feel like nowadays it's less of if I'm in the mood and more of I, if someone's honest with me, I'll be honest with them. Totally. What, what's that saying of like, um, uh, I'll give you respect if you give me respect or vice versa because respect is earned. And mm. I, 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 it's a very funny thing because I feel like there's, I've become less of a people pleaser now, <laughs> nowadays mm-hmm. as I've gotten older and I'm like, yeah. you know, I, I think it's also because, you know, like particularly like I have a, all the time in the world for you because you are so transparent and you are so honest. Uh, um, but that's like, I haven't done anything to warrant you being so honest, but I love that already. So I'm like happy to give you like tenfold. Totally. Um, totally. But it's funny when people don't do that because if they're not honest or they're not like you know, you want to hold yourself back a little bit and not be yeah. as vulnerable. Yeah, completely. Um, do you do you worry as well? You know, particularly now um, with becoming more and more famous and and more and more in the limelight, that people are going to take what you say out of context and try and twist the world. To be honest, I hadn't thought about this until last night. Um, oh, I thought about it a bit, but I really thought about it last night because I watched Selena Gomez's new documentary. Have you seen it? Oh my God. Can I just say raved about that and I fucking love it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So good. Um, so honest about her journey with mental health. Like I just, I thought it was so, um, honest. Mm. Whoa. Yeah. Like we were saying. And, um, yeah, and then last night I just I just saw in this documentary and I already had awareness around this and like but like like just how much people took things out of context or just made things up. Mm. Like fully just pulled out of their ass, like not even factual. And it just sucks because then it's just not the truth and then Selena's reading this already in a bad mental state. Anyway, I just I it baffles me that humans do that. But so last night I had the fear. Yeah. And I was sitting there with my friend Sash who also is in music and I was like, "Oh god. 
like <laughs> this this sucks like at this level that would just be intense yeah yeah i th- i think i you know and i'll 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 try and put you at ease mm-hmm. but like everything everything that you do sound the the podcast is also like you know i want it to be open and honest about you and how you feel comfortable completely but it, because it's sort of one of those things that i i guess um i i created this for that very reason and mm. i think it, it kind of baffled me that we had this so backwards view of how we treated you know celebrity or mm-hmm. royalty to games and and jokes and how mm-hmm. messed up a uh, uh, massive amount of pressure is um to to appeal to people and i think i like i li- it took me a while to watch that doco because it was actually like really partly quite triggering for me yeah so totally. like i had to pause it i think every like 15 20 minutes to just kind of like recheck my head and go okay well i'm i'm still here so far um, yeah yeah but i mean like you know it's it's also like particularly you checking in on yourself on a daily basis because um you know, like you, you know, you, you were very transparent with me with via message to check in of how you're feeling and let me know mm. how you're feeling. Like, do you, when do you know that it's a safe space for you to be honest and open with people? Like, when do you feel like you're in the right zone to be very transparent? To be honest, when I, I, I think when I know that they're queer, I am <laughs> some reason, I don't know. I don't know. I just, am like, cool. They're, they're gonna understand me a bit more Yeah, automatically, probably a bad assumption, but like, it's just, it's just how I feel. Cause the queer community is a safe space for queers, mm. obviously. Yeah. Um, and also like, I think, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I like to assume that people are good and people will get it yeah and that I can be honest with them and if they don't get it that can't be my problem I don't know but like obviously it's a hard thing to tackle but it's like like trying to but then then again sometimes I do that and then I'm left with an open wound and like you know and then I'm like oh why was I vulnerable but Mm. I like to assume the best in people I guess I mean I I always (laughs) use like social media as well and i think i was trying to like be arms wide open kind of person because it's you know especially Mm -hmm. but i always try to give people the benefit of the doubt which is like be kind be considerate and it's funny because i think like there's there's often a time where i see people act like you know it goes back to when you're an adult and people start acting like teenagers and you do start you know start mistreating each other and i'm like what is the point yeah like i know you know we're all we're all coexisting and i think the thing that i i you know automatically love about your passion and and your your you know i guess online presence as well is you you seem automatically so genuine oh i'm glad yeah and and it's and and the transparency and everything but it's it's just you're so you know excited and 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 kind and warm and i think that comes across more often than you know like a lot of people would probably you know just with social media platforms you you just come across as a very genuine person oh cool yeah i try and be genuine on there that's good that no that's really good yeah i'm actually really glad to hear that i mean (laughs) i think it i i was like sitting there the other day going I can't wait to chat to you <laughs> and, talk, and talk random shit. It's going to yeah, be great. I'm having a great time. Yeah. I'm glad. <laughs> um, you sort of like feel, especially, you know, when you look at social media and everything, and I think 
you know, we look at we look at people all the time on social media, and they do have that sort of like gen- non genuine glaze. Mm. Um, and I've met people in the queer community who are very hostile as well. Unfortunately, like yeah, n- not everyone's as forgiving. And totally, I I think it's yeah. <laughs> What's that thing of just being like, um, you know, w- one of my friends was like, "You clearly haven't dated enough guys to know." <gasps> And I've had those comments thrown at me and stuff like that. And I'm like, uh, don't think that. That's like the biphobia yeah. shit. That, <laughs> yeah, no. People are like, well, you you haven't, like, sh- shut up. I know, right? <laughs> what, what, what's, why are you having an opinion on it anyway? Yeah, I'm sorry. But it's it's also interesting because I'm very enthusiastic. And I think my uh, my hyper excitability is is things that people don't know how to deal with. Yeah. And I often find that incredibly frustrating because it's like, well, I haven't done anything different. And it's not like I'm being like super, you know, out of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. But I do find that because of the way like social media travels now and, you know, and and word of mouth travels, I think in particular, people just automatically go, that person's weird. So (laughs) don't associate. Yeah. Like, have you ever had that, like, uh, particularly now when you get excited about things or have you had like people... Um, sort of say things to your sa- uh, your face that you were kind of like that's uncalled for or kind of unnecessary. <laughs> I get you know what I get a lot. Yeah. Well, uh, this is the first thing that popped into my head, not specifically with queerness, but so many times after shows, people will say like, "Yeah, from like the look of your socials, like I thought I wouldn't like your music, <laughs> um, but then no, I do really like it now." And I'm like, "Okay, cool." Or, like, they'll be like, I thought you were just really fake, but, like, you're actually just like this in real life. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, which is such a weird thing to get. Like, I don't know. Perception's so weird. Mm. People will just perceive you forever. <laughs> I love that also all, both your impressions of people sound like Valley Girls, like, from California. <laughs> That's so true. Like- <laughs> That's so silly as well because lots of time, um, like men or like AMABs are the ones that say this to me. So I'm like, yeah, <laughs> don't know why I put that voice on. I think I think it's like it must be frustrating as well as being a um you know the with a femme appearance and um you know everything. It must be very frustrating because people must just always be like how you look and base everything off how you look rather than some of the music, especially with men. Mm. Do you find that frustrating? Oh yeah, so frustrating. And I've like obviously had the thoughts of like wearing different things to stop that Mm. but I don't want to like and then I'm like no I shouldn't have to do that but yeah like definitely just get sexualized and heckled and yeah people will ask for photos with me and then like just touch me a bit too much I don't know and it just gets a bit like it's just gross and I um yeah and I've had lots of like I don't know just lots of weird instances obviously as every AFAB experiences like it's just gross but um I think definitely also the like oh you're not actually queer because you look so feminine and it's just like so bizarre I don't know how dare you look feminine and you're not I know (laughs) this isn't right for my queer book (laughs) this doesn't make sense I know they're like these don't fit into my stereotypes (laughs) you you know I think it's also like the thing as well you know because I know I, I sort of, like, find it really weird, especially like coming out of high school as well when you're in the early stages of your 20s and everyone's trying to sexualize you from being a, 
kid to being a you know a young adult so true yeah i think it's more prominent than but particularly like um my partner because of her height she actually gets a lot more people commenting that she looks like a kid and she's 27 and it drives her up the wall to like you know you you have these sort of and and i i often have discussions with her about like you know the problems because i have to go to sometimes mechanics and stuff and have to put on that bloke voice and you know like yeah. hey mate how you going you know, yeah. let's let's fix the car let's let's get it done let's pay the bills and go home yeah and, yeah yeah you know I hate that I hate that like you know um and I remember like particularly when I was young I had a lot of female friends growing up and one of the things that I um you know was always commented on and I think that's where all the gay like you know jokes probably stemmed in but they were just like oh you know like how do you you know like why aren't you just like sleeping with half of them was always the question I'm like why would I yeah like that's the generic like weird thing that I always find is when you have like same sex or different um you know opposite sex um friends that people just go oh that's so weird why would you do that have you always kind of had a very mixed friend group oh god that's I hate that stuff um yeah, like I have on and off, but I've really found safety and security in my AFAB friends. Mm. But um, I definitely, no, I have a mix of all different friends. I think they're just my immediate friends at the moment, but I have lots of, you know, trans friends and non-binary mm. friends. And so, you know, it's it's very mixed and I feel like the kind of people that would say things like that. Mm are kind of out of my life now or maybe like not in my immediate bubble that I'd see all the time, um, which which I'm really grateful for because those conversations are painful. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you want to avoid them. I love that you kind of like shuffled them out of your life now. Yeah. I mean, do they come along to gigs and stuff to these? Do you still encounter these kind of people at gigs? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Like I encounter these kind of people like and also my – my family as open as they are don't get like you know the the ins and outs of it all so I still get them being like well what about like and you're just like okay um but yeah definitely like I'm just like I I don't experience it as much anymore but I I know it too well yeah it's 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 a weird kind of like state isn't it and I think um automatically I I often roll my eyes when people go oh but it doesn't fit the english language like i can't say they them oh don't (laughs) (laughs) it's so it doesn't even make sense but anyway yeah i i feel like i broke you just then (laughs) because the amount of people who say that and they're just wrong i know like that it's you're just being so silly but apparently apparently people think it's fine um they're like oh oh no i you know you know what i mean i'm like Yes, I do, but say it properly. Yeah. Be be respectful about it. Exactly. Um, But I mean, it's very interesting because, like, I've worked, you know, with the whole pronoun things and stuff. Like, if people check my Instagram and LinkedIn and stuff like that, go ahead. That my pronouns are all over that stuff. Yeah. But um, you know, I haven't had that conversation where it's like with my parents of like, how do I identify? Because I feel like it was bad enough having the conversation that I was by. That I and not that they weren't sort of like, but it was just kind of like still a conversation. And I was like, I don't want to have another one. Totally. Like it's the it's the worst stress in the world. But I encourage you, if you anyone out there, and if you 
identify differently and you know you want to come out to your parents do it all all as a joint package just get everything out in one sitting <laughs> that's actually great advice just hit them all at once because yeah, they can't argue with it they can't be like oh you came out as this before and now you're coming out as this they're like well i guess they gave me the whole package and i'm yeah completely i'm done um no i think i think that's my mentality and but i've also said like um uh, Emily and I have often said that if our kids, you know, if we have kids and they come out as queer, we're, you know, we're just going to be over the moon, but also like, you know, just make sure they feel safe and accepted yeah. even because I don't, I don't think particularly, especially with like, you know, our influence in the next like 50 years, it's going to be fixed. I don't think there's, this is, oh, yeah, issue no. is going to be fixed probably in our lifetime. It's too deep. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's rudimentary, Yeah, but I do think that, you know, like we're making the stepping stones to make it very clear and concise. Totally. And, you know, like, particularly, I, I love, I also love how, how in touch you are with, you know, the, the use of checking in on people and, you know, and, and, you know, like checking pronouns and everything. Because, like, there's not much of a difference in age between us. There's, like, about seven years. But it's not as ingrained in me as it is in you. And I love that. <laughs> Did that take training? Yeah. But it's also just because of the wonderful people I'm surrounded by. Also, I think being around transgender people specifically as well, mm. like pronouns are so important to get right. And I then I as soon as I kind of learned about it a lot, I was like, wow, this is awesome. So good that there's this other, you know, way that we can identify ourselves in so many different ways and like just opens up a whole new thing of freedom and expression but um yeah I just think uh, yeah we just all like make sure that we're always on it and we also like very much correct each other a lot and like pull each other up on it a lot so I think it is just the environment I'm in that I'm really lucky to be in where like we're like ah wrong and then you're like oh cool yeah yeah I love that it's good yeah yeah it's important. I'm, I'm going to constantly pick your brains about stuff like this. <laughs> constantly. Constantly <laughs> off record pick your brains. Um, I hope you know this now. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> but no, I, th- I think um, I think that's one of the things that I get. Yeah, you, you just astound me with how, how on top of you, on top of it you are. Uh, because I think it, it's such a... Um, yeah, with people coming into it, uh, like, in the generation, even, like, um, the difference between age of you and my cousin's kid are, like, you know, even they're, like, super aware of, and I'm, like, how? Yeah. <laughs> my brain, you know, like, 30 years of jadedness, like, <laughs> like has, has totally. gotten to me. And I do think, even in the seven-year difference we have, like, it would have been harder in those seven years than it was for me, like, just generally, like, yeah, it's changed quite quickly, quite quite rapidly and I think maybe there is more freedom for me and my I don't know people my age are like mm. to be open with that even though the gap's not that big yeah yeah it's it's very minor it goes to microaggressions back and you know and like what kind of microaggressions each generation and each year has dealt with mm. um, at certain um, turning points in our lives mm-hmm. and then how does that like affect us because, yeah, it's like my teenage years would have been different to yours and how we sort of like identified and, and, and discovered ourselves would have been very different points. But, you know, like all the friends that I came, um, you know, that 
I was close to were stuff are all queer. So it's like one of those things that I think I, if I hadn't realized I was queer at 26, I would have worked it out by now as well. Yeah, so totally, totally. It's very, it's very obvious for all the, all the things that I follow. Um, mm-hmm. Before we wrap up, though, um, I'm going to ask you about some Taylor Swift stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hit me. Let's do it. <laughs> so, favorite album? Speak Now. Deluxe Edition. Ooh, Deluxe Edition. Oh, yeah. Um, favorite song? Uh, no. no. Favorite song, yeah. just one? Oh uh, yeah, a, a one song. Uh, oh, particularly, okay, let's stick with that album. Favorite song of that album? Of Speak Now. Yeah. Okay, the story of us. Have you seen her live at performance? Which one? Well, any of them, like pre-pandemic. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Are you going? Are you going to go to the Eras tour? Ah, uh, surely. Yes, I am. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I've already been to two, two, two Taylor gigs, and I cried <laughs> a lot. Anyway. <laughs> Continue your questions. It's fine. I love this. This is like a speed fire round. Yeah. Um, least favorite song on that album. I'm going to have to say this isn't an easy decision. Please don't take this too seriously, but I am going to say Innocent. Okay. Do you know that one? I do. Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, also, I, I, I will say your favorite album is M's favorite album. So. Oh, Okay. We'd probably get along. Yeah, you two would get along. <laughs> I'm already vibing it. I'm just like, oh, my God. Um, there's currently, like, Taylor Swift merch over in the corner of the house. <laughs> oh, I love it. Not many people have Speak Now as their favourite album, so, like, this is big that we have the same one, the same fave. My first ever album will also be my favourite, which is Red. Uh-huh. And uh, my my favourite song probably it's actually in the re um re-release which is the 10 minute version of all too well um it's so good um and probably my like least favorite song on that album Mm. probably trouble oh yeah yeah, yeah. i knew you were trouble yeah i knew you were trouble yeah i'm really not a a, as fan of how that song's structured um and i don't know why so fair (laughs) i've listened to it a fair amount but I think, um, and I think she did something with the re-release of remixing it. And I just, I preferred the original <laughs> um, mix of the song. It's very funny. Like, actually, that, that's a point. Are you ever going to, like, in, you know, 15, 20 years time, remix some of your old songs? Do you think you'll ever do that? Or do you think you'll kind of just leave be? I'm never going to say never, but <laughs> we, I don't know. I don't know. Like, probably. It will cross you. Oh, yeah. Like, surely. Yeah. Surely there'll be some remix type situation going on. But, like. Hopefully I don't end up in a situation like Taylor where I have no choice but to remix them, you know? Oh, yeah. I don't think you'll ever. I think that's like the music industry is going to change forever Yeah. due to that situation because that was appalling. Totally. And she deserved way better and her, you know, like, and it's so funny as well because I've listened to Midnight's. Mm -hmm. I enjoy Midnight's as an album, but it's so funny that that it's sort of a big, um, you know, fandom and 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 the, the culture of fandom mm-hmm. should never you know like really berate anyone on how they be creative because they're all like we want an album like reputation and then she releases it and then they're suddenly like oh okay this isn't what we expected yeah and like some of the fandom is really divided i know it's the, the culture of fandom especially for taylor's fans is hectic yeah there's a, it, there's the whole world like one of my friends said the other day like i'm not really the biggest fan of taylor swift but i am a fan of taylor's fans <laughs> like because they're just like their whole new own world and like it's crazy oh my god they're all savage <laughs> they're all so, right, they're sav- so savage 
And all the, the you've obviously heard about gay law. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. I don't. Uh, it's a whole black hole, that place. It's Everything's a black hole. <laughs> um, I, I just, <laughs> sounds really bleak, but it is. <laughs> Actually, here's my final question for you, though, Hallie. Yes. What's your What's your go to chill session after a big day? What What are you normally a wine and chill and listen to music, or what's your go to? <laughs> no, it's bong. It's bong life. I I have a wind down bong. Just to be honest with you. I love that. Yeah, yeah. But I also just shower. Oh, a shower. <laughs> Crazy, I know, but I shower, <laughs> and that always makes me feel relaxed. How 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 long is said shower? Like a decent shower, or if I'm feeling really dramatic, I have a bath. <gasps> there you go. Yeah, you've heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Do you enjoy a bath? I love a bath. Baths are the baths are the bee's knees. Yeah, completely. And I don't have one here in this house, so I am very disappointed. Um, it, there is only a shower, so I can only enjoy shower. <laughs> I know. Damn. It's going to make when you have a bath again so special. Oh, yeah. I'm going to utilize it all the time. That is that is the plan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But thank you so much for joining me. I've actually loved chatting to you. It's been an absolute blast. Same. Thank you for having me. This has been lovely. Yeah. Um. And Hallie, where can people stalk you, obviously, and where can they find you? Where's the easiest place to stalk your links? <laughs> Sorry, I just thought then like to stalk me and giving out my address. <laughs> but anyway, that's please and no. <laughs> um, no. Um, I you can find me on Instagram, um, Hallie with four E's, and Spotify. Uh, I'm just, I'm in all the places: Facebook, Twitter. I don't really use Twitter though. Don't go there. TikTok. Um, I try and try and be funny on TikTok and yeah, I don't know. And then Spotify and Apple and things like that. Amazon, whatever you use, title, find it. Go and type Hallie's name into things. You'll find her. Sure. <laughs> YouTube, YouTube. YouTube. Go and find Hallie's first ever video. <laughs> go, go and stalk the deep web. Do yeah, I know. We've opened a can of worms here today. <laughs> but no, thank you so much for joining me. And if you want to go and check out more episodes of the things we do, you can check them out on Apple and Spotify. I'll be speaking with another guest next week and I'll speak to you all later. Goodbye. Goodbye.